Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Monday, December 5th, 2022. And our top story today, have alternative investments helped or hurt public pensions? Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Jean-Pierre Aubry is with the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College. Well, Jean-Pierre, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Glad to be here um, and, and pleased to talk about the research that we've just done. Yeah, let, let's talk about this. And, and you know, you and the team at the uh, Center for Retirement Research at Boston College, you are continuously tracking investment returns um, it, through the public plan database and other sources around pension plans. Before we get into alternatives and their impact, let's just talk about in general, how, how did public pension plans, the three Ps, how did they do, uh, given all the market volatility that we have experienced over the last, I don't know, almost a year now? Yeah. Um, so like most uh, investors, anyone in the market, institu institutional investors included, um, you know, 2022 has been difficult. Um, they've definitely fallen short of their expectations uh, their, for their annual return, which is roughly 7% these days. Um, but what we think is important whenever uh, there are these dramatic market swings is to really take stock of the fact that public pensions are long-term investors. And what's really important is to look at how they performed over the long-term, right? So this recent market downturn comes on the heels of a tremendous year in 2021. And so it, that kind of makes the point that it's really hard when you're just digesting a single year to make sense of how uh, pension funds are doing overall. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. It's so easy for the headlines to say, X, Y, and Z happened because of one, two, and three. Um, but really, as an investor, as you said, you need to take that long-term view and look at things cumulatively. And I know you and the team do that. Why, why look at alternative investments in particular? Is that something that, you know, given what's 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 being talked about in the media, you know, that that you hear about private equity hedge funds, you know, there's always someone in the media talking about it. But why did you and the team decide to also look at alts? Yeah, um, so there, there are two reasons, and we've looked at alts before, um, and so in some sense, we were revisiting an issue that we think is relevant to the public pension space. Um, the narrative uh, that we that we uh, pulled out from our last research was really that this is kind of a new um, trend in public pension investing, uh, and a growing trend. You know, what we see is that in 2001, uh, public pensions at the turn of the century were holding less than 10% in anything outside of traditional stocks and bonds. And today it's roughly 30%. So this is a significant shift in approach in terms of the asset classes that pension funds are investing in. And so um, as entities who study public pensions and are interested in their performance, it seems like this is a trend that we need to keep track of and to some extent assess you know, how well this transition has has helped or hurt public plans. Yeah, at any time you uh, want to get your opinion on this, but anytime you're hiring a manager, uh, that's what we call in the investment community, that's what we call people who manage assets, they're a manager, um, you know, they're adding value, right? And you have to take the value that they add in terms of return versus their fee. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's really important to do the due diligence. How did, or what was the impact just generally, and then we can kind of unpack it, but, and I, I'm going to, unfortunately, this is the last question before we go to a commercial break, um, but we'll pick it up after the break. But um, how did alts do and what was the impact to public plan 
pension performance. Four Ps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The long and short of it is basically there were two periods prior to the global financial crisis and afterwards. Um, and prior and during uh, the holding alternatives seemed to improve performance. So plans that held more in alternatives outperformed plans that did not. And after the financial crisis, uh, those that held more in alternatives actually underperformed those that did not. And so what we see is kind of over the whole period since the turn of the century, 2001 to today, that it was basically a wash. <laughs> um, uh, but it's really a tale of two periods um, and overall really nothing in terms of return. So what it says is that public plans would have been just as well off staying in traditional stocks and bonds um, relative to this shift uh, to alternatives in terms of their overall performance. Um, we do find a small, a small uh, we do find an effect, excuse me, uh, regarding the decrease in volatility, but not in overall higher returns. Well, JP, as I said, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll pick up the conversation and talk more about alts in public pension plans. What's the impact? Well, you're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score? A credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? Then do what Terrence did and called Credit Repair for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit Repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. 
Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. Welcome back. We're joined this morning by Jean-Pierre Aubry of the Center for Retirement Research. Well, Jean-Pierre, thank you so much for staying with us this morning. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two. Uh, happy to continue the conversation. Yeah, this is fun. And I, I think, you know, I, I've not done research, but I enjoy pre- doing projects like this. And I think you probably uncover a lot of really good information. I think we talked at a very high level about alternatives and alternatives can mean different things to different people. And not all portfolios had the same types of alternatives. There's private equity, there's hedge funds, there's sorts of uh, hedging strategies, multi-asset funds. Are there any particular asset classes that you saw that may have done a little bit better than others in the, in the research uh, period that you looked at? Yeah, you make a great point um, that alternatives are not uh, a, a, a homogeneous uh, asset class. There's lots of different subcategories that perform very differently and are meant to do different things. So when we, talk, when we say alternatives in general, we're discussing, we're looking at four major categories, private equity, uh, real estate, um, commodities and hedge funds. Um, and when we look at those four categories and we break alternatives into those separate categories, we do see some different differences in how they affect performance. Uh, essentially, um, private equity and real estate are much more like, like equities in terms of their performance. Um, they did much better than, uh, they did better than equities leading up to uh, the global financial crisis and a little bit better during um, and they rebounded more quickly afterwards. Um, the asset class that tended to underperform was hedge funds. Um, and interestingly, if you look at the trend in the holdings of alternatives and public plans, what you see is before the financial crisis, most of alternative holdings were made up of private equity and real estate, which performed pretty well. Um, but a growing percentage of alternatives was going into things like hedge funds and commodities. And those are the two asset classes that tended to underperform. Um, and that's what we kind of saw after the global financial crisis. So if I were to kind of broadly break up the at alternative categories um, into kind of those that perform better and those that perform worse, I would put private equity in real estate in the better performing category and hedge funds and commodities in the worst performing. JP, manager selection is, is a, uh, there's a, actually a field of, of consultants that actually do this on, and, and professionals within public pension plans that, that do the due diligence is, and finding a right man, the right manager or managers can be very difficult. There's a lot of due, due diligence. Is there enough disclosure, for example, um, to understand, you know, every manager, it, when you get into these alt spaces and they're, they're not public, they're not like they're, they're called what's private market. Is there enough information? And again, you're looking at things, the data that was provided to you, but is there enough information in your opinion for professionals to really do that due diligence to find the right manager? Cause it's not only just about performance, although at the end of the day it is, but it's also about the fees. It's also about what they buy. And ESG is something that's been coming up, um, yep. you know, not to confuse this, that conflate that issue with this issue, but, um, is there enough disclosure available to professionals on these types of products? So it's, it's getting better. It's still, I think, very opaque, these asset, these asset classes. Um, but uh, as the demand for this asset class has grown, so have 
uh, cottage industries around that to make data more available um, mm -hmm. and disclosure uh, better. And so it's improving, but definitely I think still relatively opaque uh, compared to obviously public um, public asset classes, right? Public yeah, I mean, asset this, classes. I mean, you can I can name a gazillion resources that uh, go through the mutual fund world and stock world. A little bit more challenging with the private markets, but as you said, yeah. a lot of people people are trying to create standardization. Uh, and you, raise a good, well, you raise one other oh, go point, if, you, if I may, um, that sure. when, when you're trying to pick these asset managers, right? Um, early on, when this was a, a nascent asset class in, in the public pension sphere, um, it was easier to uh, get in on um, the top performers, right? As the field becomes more crowded and there's more demand, only a certain percentage of plans by default are going to select the top asset managers. So part of this also is a is a result of a maturing um, a market for these asset classes, uh, where it gets more and more difficult to be the plan who selected the top performer when you have a crowded field, uh, and the opportunities are becoming more difficult to find. Um, yeah, so that's also part of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost is like I mean, there are, what ten thousand mutual funds hundreds or dozens more of ETFs, it becomes very difficult to kind of sift through that. And, and as markets grow and evolve and mature, you're going to have different layers and levels of, of types of managers. JP, last question for you before we go, we go to the end of the, of the show. Um, what's the follow-up to this? Of course, you're going to continue to do research on the public pension plans and their performance, but is there a follow-up that you're expecting to do on aughts? Is this now part of um, your, your continued uh, review? Yeah, thank you for asking. I mean, it's something I think we'll revisit periodically, given that it's, it's an, um, still a uh, talked about and important part of the kind of investment policy shift of public plans. Um, I think one thing that we want to unpack more carefully is the effect that we see regarding uh, volatility. Um, so one element that came out of this analysis was based on the reported data we get from plans, it looks like alternatives have some dampening um, impact on volatility. So there are two reasons you might go into alternatives. One is to get higher returns, or you could just get the same return but lower volatility, and that would also be um, better performance. And we do see some evidence of uh, dampened volatility, although we don't see any higher returns. Um, the question is how much of that is due to reporting issues around uh, private assets, being that sometimes their reporting is lagged and also the valuations are difficult to pin down um, because they're privately held assets uh, versus actual diversification. And so that's something we're interested in unpacking more, more closely to see how, to what extent that dampening volatility is real diversification um, versus just reporting uh, to really get a holistic view of what alternatives are doing to portfolio returns over time. JP, just a follow up to that. I know, um, you know, there's a lot of talk in the defined contribution industry about the inclusion of alts. And I would assume that maybe I shouldn't assume, but does the public data available, does it include DC assets as well? And as more alts become available and things like targeted funds, which we hear about and see about, and I think the Department of Labor has in some ways, given a thumbs up around it. I, you know, I'm not an attorney, clearly. Uh, is this something that you'll be looking at as well? So not only DB, public pension, but also defined contribution, DC, 457 type plans, 401A. 
Yeah, so one thing we're trying to do in the, in the PPD is to expand into the DC plans. And we've done that for some of the major state plans um, and, uh, and looked at their overall aggregate flows, participation. Um, we're just now starting to get a little bit more detail on their investments, but it's something we think is the DC space in public pensions is growing. Yep. Um, and so it's, again, you know, as entities who study public plans, uh, you know, we want to keep track of any of these shifts and trends. So yes, is the short answer. Um, maybe yeah. not as completely now, but definitely in the future. Yeah. Well, great work as always. Give my best to the team. Thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you back on the program very soon. My pleasure. Anytime. Well, that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, something you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, and all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, visit our website and, of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.